Welcome to Initiative Roll, a Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons. I'm your academic host, Logan Johnson. And I'm your non-academic Dungeon Master, Nathaniel Johnson? I mean, I guess you can be non-academic. Let me let me give you the, the deets, the scoop, listeners at home. I, re- I recently became a man of the sciences. I have attended a university... I have become intellectually edified. I drink LaCroix and other seltzer waters. Um, I I guess what I'm trying to say is I've transcended the common man and become your typical Renaissance man of great learning and and astounding wonder. Now, is this the university that you were uh, formerly not allowed in? Yes, that's correct. And let me tell you what it feels like to come back. You know, people I, People ask me that. Hey, how does it feel now that you're back in, in, in college? I would like to stress it's not college. It's a university. I'm a man of the academia now. Um, but, <laughs> hey, this is serious. If you could please just restrain your tone. I'll tell you what it feels like to come back. You know that scene in Big when Tom Hanks wishes on the Zoltar? <laughs> I feel like I've done that, and I've now woken up the next morning as an adult. <laughs> in a little twin-size bunk bed. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, and now I'm going to go on a rollicking adventure. Um, yeah, so that's what that's what being in class feels like. That's, like, I, I'm a... I mean, I still love Pokemon. So, like a 12-year-old in a college person's body. <laughs> so, the, you do realize there is an insinuation with what you said, that at the end of this adventure, you will not remain a man, but will revert into being a child. It's Spoilers gonna, for it's, Big, by the way. It's going to be horrible for any girl that I end up dating during my college foray. Yeah, it's going to be bad. <laughs> Speaking of which, in Big, there's that sequence where he, he is with the woman... You know, she watches him transform back into a 12-year-old boy. Yes. And then probably slipped slowly into madness, right? <laughs> yep, probably. Because she's like, I, I was with that. Like, and not just like no, in an emotional. Do they actually? He was thinking about baseball the whole time. That's all I have to say. <laughs> this is our Dance Around the Subject Matter podcast initiative role. <laughs> a Dungeon Master's Guide to talking about heftier themes that may or may not have taken place in Big and definitely took place in Big. Well, that's big for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, big news. Uh, So yeah, class feels a little bit like the sequence in Big when he gets older, and not the sequence (laughs) that we just alluded to. Um, But in between classes, the the floors, the carpeting of my university is, is arrayed in squares. And so in between classes, I just kind of try and step in the squares and look at the ground like I'm a regular Pippi Longstocking, you know? Sure, sure. Um, I have been going to the same university for what feels like an eternity now, but I don't think it's even four don't, years. Don't try to put down my academia. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I just, first of all, I think it's funny that you say you're a member of the academia now. It Isn't makes it me good? It makes me chuckle on the inside. Um but it's interesting to hear your perspective on that because I've been going here for a significant amount of time. I'm actually getting close to finishing up this degree I'm working on, which feels great. And I definitely don't have those same feelings. Well, I, I technically have been at this school for two years. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Let's not sell myself short here. <laughs> sure. I've been a member of the community. But no, no, no. It's official now. Two-day shipping. Amazon Prime's got my monocle on its way. Oh, wait. And- 
Beg pardon? Did you actually purchase a monocle? Please say yes. Look, do we have a sponsor on this show yet? <laughs> because if the answer to that question is no, there's a good chance that I haven't purchased anything. <laughs> Dang it, I really wanted you to purchase a monocle, mostly because yeah. I really want a monocle in life, and so like Wait, hold this on, weird hold like on, hold on. voyeuristic fulfillment of my own desires. <laughs> I'd like to roll back to two seconds ago in the cast when Nathaniel referred to, if I were to purchase a monocle, it would be, and I quote, a voyeuristic fulfillment of his... Well, why do we even do this show? Why do we... What are we even... What are we doing here? By voyeuristic desire, it means, like, you get pleasure and enjoyment through watching somebody else perform an act. I know what voyeuristic means, bud, but you can't just... Words have meanings, but also, also, I... I know this because I'm a member of the academic community, and I am in a lit class now, and it's pretty lit. Um... And I know that words, they do have the meanings, but also they come paired. It's like a bundle, you know, like bundle and save your home and auto insurance. But this time it's bundle and save, you get the meaning, but also the connotation. And that connotation of voyeuristic cannot be ignored. It Fine. cannot. Fine. There is not one person Fine. who hears the word voyeuristic and doesn't automatically think, oh yeah, sure, like a peeping Tom. That's not a thing that happens. To be fair, I think of the Phantom of the Opera when I hear that word. Whose name was actually Tom. No, 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 I just... Anyway, that's a whole discussion for a different day. Peeping was a childhood nickname. (laughs) Peeping was a childhood nickname of the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Okay. Also Child of Hell. You got that one too. Oh, okay. Devil's Child, whatever they call him. Sure, sure. So what are we talking about today? Literally, I do... Like, it's been six minutes. We're six minutes into this sweet, sweet cast, and I actually don't know what we're talking about. I know what the theme is. Oh, okay. But I don't know what we've been talking about for the last six minutes. Fair enough. My favorite is, <laughs> I thought you were actually forgetting, and in effort to remind you, I start flapping my arms like a bird. What? Okay. But what those of you, this is an audio medium, and so I'm disappointed for those of you who didn't get to see this, but... The theme for today's... I, I, was, I had a better reveal for this, but I'm just going to say, the theme for today's episode is dragons. What was your reveal? Um, well, okay, we're not going to go there now. The moment's gone. That would be like if in The Prestige, somebody was like, hey, what, what was that cool trick you used to do? No, that's not. we're not going to go there. Sure. Also, because he was dead. Like, you know. Sure. Anybody who's seen The Prestige will know what that means. I don't think that that's big of a spoiler. Sure. Maybe. Hugh Jackman's character is Casper. The friendly guest. Yep. Played by Casper, the friendly guest. But anyway, so as I was saying that I didn't know what we'd been talking about, Nathaniel goes ahead and raises his arms and begins to perform the chicken dance in the chair across from me. And I don't really... The theme is dragons. <laughs> now, I want to be there when somebody sees the chicken dance, separate from the music, of course, and thinks, oh my gosh, this is a regular like Dothraki dance to summon the mother of dragons pet dragons. Um, it definitely is not. I want to say there's nothing about the chicken dance which evokes dragonhood. If I had forgotten what the theme was, we would be having an episode about the cuckoos in Legend of Zelda. Um, but today's episode is dragons. Dragon antics, dragon treasures, dragon puzzles, dragon lairs. How to, how to procure and also... I don't want to say, what the, give me, hey, pull out a, a Roger's thesaurus and give me a synonym for train. Tame. How to tame your dragon. <laughs> Gotta be careful about them copyrights. 
Dragons. Dragons. We're talking about dragons. Well, where do you want to begin? So, this is my favorite thing about dragons. And that's that in my many years of playing Dungeons & Dragons, I've never actually had a player character face off against a dragon. That's not That's 100% true. Calcerix, the white dragon wormling. Okay, a wormling's not a dragon, bud. That's like a baby dragon. Okay, wait, so... I'm actually going to skirt completely clear of what I was about to say. Look, all I know is that if you were playing Yu-Gi-Oh's when you were a kid, Mm -hmm. and you busted out a card that said, Dragon Hatchling, nobody was like, oh, sick dragon, bro. But when you bust out that holofoil blue-eyes white dragon that you got fake out of China with the skin on the top of it that you could peel off to remove the holofoil... Is that what that was? That's what that is. That's amazing. I'm pretty sure. I could be. Somebody tweet at me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, So you're telling me that baby Charmander in Pokemon isn't a dragon? Right. At best, he's a lovable baby dinosaur with a fire tail. Where are the wings? So I got really bad news for you about Charizard. Not a dragon-type Pokemon. That's actually inaccurate. As of Generation 6, Mega Charizard X is also a fire and dragon type. Right, I forgot you're a 12-year-old in the body (laughs) of a college student, and so you actually keep up to date on Pokemon. What can I say? I I have to catch them all. Look, some some kids forget the promise they made. (laughs) Just because you become an adult doesn't mean you can turn your back on your promises. Hey, bro, just because I haven't kept up to date with this series yet doesn't mean I won't catch them all. It'll probably be easier 10, 15 so, years so down the road. So what you're saying, what you're saying is that when the prodigal son returns, there will be more joy in heaven over all 3,000 Pokemon that you've <laughs> caught and acquired than over the 750 that I'm aiming for now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically. Okay. Now my question is, how many of those are dragons? Like how I circled that back? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't kept up with this stuff very much. Though I do have a copy of Ruby and Sapphire. Ruby I got from my wife while we were engaged, and Sapphire I got from a uh, an old friend. Um, like an old friend or like no, a like, friend that you hadn't seen in a while um, or that you've had for a long time? Like was it like, like did you freaking like go to like grandma's house and no. she was just like, here it is, child. No. That's not what my grandma sounds like. No. Um, <laughs> So I took a religious mission at one point, and one of the friends I made in that context. That's right, I got it. Okay. Um, yeah, and so one of those friends that I made during that context, and then haven't seen much after that experience in my life. Gotcha. Um, gave it to me, but um, I have played through both of those games since receiving them. So in the past, I don't know, three or four years, I've played through Ruby and Sapphire, the old ones for the Game Boy Advance. As for how many dragon types are in there, I know Bagon is a uh, dragon type. Also, Shelgon and Sa- Shelgon. Shelgon's the square of dragons, which is kind of ironic <laughs> because he's like round. He's like Metapod, but somehow worse. <laughs> but also, like if a Rhodes roll was a Pokemon, 
Think about that. A Rhodes roll? A Rhodes roll? Like, have you ever gotten those dinner oh, rolls? Oh, yeah, 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 like the frozen dinner rolls. Like, yeah. I wasn't sure what you were... Like, if a frozen dinner roll was also had legs and was also a Pokemon. Yeah, okay, sure, sure. And was also a dragon. And a dragon. Because we actually do intend to talk about dragons in our Dungeons and Dragons well, podcast. It's not so much that we've strayed from dragons, because we've <laughs> kept on that pretty much consistently, uh, but we've not kept on the Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. Uh, so... As I was saying earlier, my experience of fighting a baby dragon is invalidated because baby dragons don't have riddles. You thought you were going to die. Well, okay. Yeah, but they don't have riddles. They don't have puzzles. They don't have mind games. At best, they have sharp teeth and fire. And at worst, they have sharp teeth and something else, like acid or ice. So I guess what I'm saying is let's talk about dragons. Let's talk about how to use a dragon. Sure. When to pull one out, where they belong. Okay, what do you want to start with first? Should we start with... Let's talk about context. Where would you include a dragon? So, I've included a dragon only a handful of times in the various campaigns that I've run. Um, I used to run a lot of 3rd edition, and dragons weren't necessarily fun to run in 3rd edition. The problem that I had with dragons back then is you had to keep track of all the monsters' abilities like shooting fire and flying and movement speed and all the stuff you'd normally expect, and you had to keep track of um, spells. They gave them, like, wizard spells. It's pretty full-on, don't you think? Uh, yeah, so if you were somebody who used those effectively, it could be a really cool encounter, and I, I feel like the first time I did use a dragon, it was an adult red dragon... And it cast greater darkness on the area, and none of the players could see what was going on. And it was really fun for them, but it was very taxing on me as the dungeon master what spells I needed to use and what spells it needed to have prepped, because I had to pick from the list what spells it was going to have. And so I had to do a ton of research on just this dragon, when all that I wanted the fight to be was, hey, you're going to go kill a dragon. Right. Um, a lot of legwork to do it. A lot so of talk about 5th edition then. What, what did so they change? 5th edition, um, I haven't done a ton of work with the dragons in 5th edition. Um, partly because I do like to use them as higher level monsters. Sure. But they, from what I can tell, and I haven't extensively read the section on dragons, but the stuff I've looked at, they got rid of the spellcasting. And they focused a lot more on the breath weapon. Okay, that's cool. Because the difficulty I have with all dragons and all monsters in general is I cap at four moves. Once a monster has more than four moves, I literally have to forget one. Okay, okay. Well, so what do you mean? Well, for example, like let's say I have a red dragon named Jeff. Sure. Right? If they, like let's say, okay, we got his flying, mm-hmm. we got his movement, we got his teeth seize. Mm-hmm. We got his breath weapon. If Jeff wants to learn flamethrower, <laughs> I have to forget one of those other four moves. I liked that joke because it took you a little while to I was still on Pokemon. And so there was almost like this prestige moment where I pulled a dove out of my shirt and like everybody's wowed <laughs> because you didn't really... You didn't really smell when I was stepping in. That was good. That was good. I would like to acknowledge what you said there, though. There is a lot of uh, value in keeping what a monster can do relatively simple. Right. Now, 
there are exceptions to this. If you have a wizard you've been building up the whole campaign and the party goes to face the wizard, the wizard better have a ton of spells and a lot of variation in what he can do. But a dragon, dragons in a lot of our common Western lore don't have a lot of abilities. Right. They tend to be intelligent creatures. They tend to be greedy creatures. And they tend to be very physically powerful, can fly and breathe fire and then have talons and and teeth. With also a little bit of a, I hesitate to say fetish, but a little bit of a donkey fetish. <laughs> with a little bit of a <laughs> they donkey They love donkeys fetish. in a major way. Those, yeah. are, those are Western dragons for you. Yeah. Well, and so I want to bring up one of my favorite Western dragons, uh, Smaug. Okay. From The Hobbit. And, and with Smaug in the book, he is very self-confident and prideful. Totally. Self-confidence. And he goes on kind of a brag fest to the invisible Bilbo Baggins. And... Shows off all the things he can do, and they basically come down to the physical strengths he has. I have kept this in. The Invisible Bilbo Baggins is my favorite Amazon Prime original TV show. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Dig it. Now I want that to be a thing. Well, they just just acquired the lights to Lord of the Rings. Rings. The Invisible Uh, Bilbo Baggins. It's coming. Dang it. Um, But no, he shows off how powerful his wing strength is and how powerful his breath is and his tail and the things that you know what a dragon looks like and you know that they breathe fire, so that's all you need to know. And then generally they're hyper-intelligent. And so most people can remember that. Most people can keep those things in mind. Homeboy does get taken out by one arrow, though. Yeah. One solitary black arrow. But get wrecked. It's a black arrow through a weak spot in the heart that I think like a so, little bird tells him about. <laughs> a little bird told me you got a little bit of a <laughs> heart murmur. <laughs> Gosh, so I love the works of Tolkien, okay. but what? <laughs> Don't take this the wrong way, but if you ever get a heart condition and I find out from someone other than you, that's how I'm approaching you about it. Hey, so a little bird told me you got a heart problem. And then I will promptly shoot you with a black arrow. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, It's how you want to go. Don't pretend it isn't. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Smog, though, is this this impressive character, and Tolkien describes him as the smallest and most pathetic of the dragons. Um, Hmm. Interesting. There were seven dragons, blah, 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 nerdy Tolkien stuff. Uh, yeah, don't go too too deep in the nerd stuff on this cool podcast. <laughs> um, the largest of the dragons was the size of a city. Well, okay, that doesn't inform too much about the narrative, though. No, uh, Summerland's a weird book. That's also, all I'm going to say. There are, like, a lot of cities. <laughs> well, okay, but think of your standard modern city. They're very pretty, pretty widely Fine. in size. Think, think of a large that. mountain. <laughs> like, are we talking Everest? Are we up to Olympus Mons? Or are we Hawaii. Just Hawaii. Picture the island of Hawaii. I'm probably exaggerating by a little bit. Hold on. You're telling me that Bilbo Baggins knew a dragon the size of Hawaii and he still couldn't win the Game of Thrones? What? what? No. You have gone so far afield on this. No, but the point is, Smog was supposed to be the least powerful of the dragons, and he ruined an entire dwarven civilization, and 
terrified the human population nearby. You've got something to say, say it. Yeah, I just can't remember. Was Peter Dinklage there? Was Peter Dinklage there? Did he show up for that one? Hang on. I don't think so. But I feel like that's something he wouldn't miss, right? Like, that's like a standard Dinklage outing. That's like a normal Tuesday night for Peter Dinklage. (laughs) It's like, hey, let's, let's go with this dragon. Who, like, I love and respect as an actor. I think he's fantastic to watch. If you but, can't like, tell, that is a standard I'm thing. I'm still looking for crossover between Game of Thrones and The Hobbit. You want, you want to know what the uh, crossover <laughs> is? It's Peter Dinklage, right? He's got to be in it. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's George Railroad Martin and J Railroad oh, Tolkien. Tolkien. There's your names. crossover. <laughs> well, I think the fact that they both had RR meant that they were just brothers, right? <laughs> right, something like that. Um, but anyway, that's what I picture when I picture a dragon. It should be something that sits on a horde and is intelligent, thinks a lot of itself, and likes being praised but also isn't afraid to eat you. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at it from like, okay, well, how do I, like, have I crafted a good dragon for my players? Mm-hmm. This is a good litmus test. Right. And the ultimate, I think, like, if I could boil it down to one question, that question would be, could, theoretically speaking, my dragon be voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch? And if the answer is yes, then you've nailed it. Like, you've hit the dragon. Sure. Is that what you're trying? Because, like, he plays... I I would rather use the voice from the 70s cartoon, as weird as that (laughs) is. No, but the voice of the 70s cartoon is basically perfect. The voice of the 70s cartoon is Netflix, not Amazon, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, but the uh, the Hobbit cartoon they made in the 70s, yeah. the dragon voice in there is fantastic. And that's no disrespect to Benedict Cumberbatch. I thought he did great as well. He also is great at playing arrogant people, which is kind of what I was digging right. at. Right. He plays a lot of arrogant and well. people. And very well. And he plays them differently. Um, yeah, as a cool. side note, the fact that there is a significant difference, for example, between his interpretation of Sherlock Holmes and his interpretation of Smog and his interpretation of Khan and right. various other characters that's really cool and what's his face from the imitation game right uh, Mr. Computer Turing Alfred Turing Alfred. not Turin because that's Turing the oh, Turing I was like not Turin that was like I'm not sure on the first that was name. the Catholic shroud Alan Turing Alan Turing you're right Mr. Computer um Anyway, the point is there. He, he does fantastic at playing a lot of different types of arrogance. But I think that, like you said, the representation of a dragon and that kind of arrogance is really important. We were talking, though, about 5th edition and the changes they made. And one of the things they did is they answered, for me at least, a, and gave me a good mechanical reason for why a dragon wouldn't always use its breath weapon. Okay. Because the breath weapon is the most powerful weapon a dragon has. Pretty right. consistently. And it's almost always going to be the best choice. Why would they not just breathe fire every time? Right. Or lightning or acid. Or, or what have you. Um, and the way they work it in mechanically is that it takes time to recharge the breath weapon. Now what you have to do is you roll a six-sided die. And on a five or a six, and you do this every turn of the dragons. On a five or a six, it has its breath weapon back. And it's that simple. Gotcha, so 33% chance. Right. Which means it could be breathing fire literally every turn. I'm saying fire in place of breath weapon. You hopefully understand that there are still the other types. But there's also a chance that it uses it once and dies or the party runs off before it ever recharges that breath weapon. Right. Because you could roll ones, twos, threes, and fours ten rounds in a row. Gotcha. Okay. So that I think that plays pretty well into dragon combat. Like, yes. 
And it sounds like for 5th edition, they made a lot of design changes that make dragon combat a lot easier and a lot simpler. Right. And I think that those decisions, what's important about those is it makes it more fun as the DM and for the players. Right. I think it gives you a little more freedom as well to do things with the dragon itself. Absolutely. From a, a role-playing standpoint. One of my Absolutely. favorite things about 5th edition in general is that it pulls away from a lot of the rules and it hits things more simply and gives you more room to role-play who you want to be as a character and, and what's going on. So I want to talk a little bit more about this arrogant attitude and kind of how the dragon interacts with the player character. Okay, sure. Right? So I think speaking generally, if the arrogance is the norm, we're looking at kind of a, I'm so much better than you. Like, I'm a god compared to yes. player characters. Uh, that's how I view it, at least. Right. So talk to me about maybe some alternates. Like, what other kinds of dragon personalities could we have? Obviously, they all need to kind of have that arrogance. Well... Right? Yes and no. So, like we were talking about with Benedict Cumberbatch, he shows off different kinds of arrogance, first of all. Right. Um, but second, not all dragons are created equal. Some dragons are more... I don't know. In- Some dragons are more intelligent than others on their intelligence scores. But what about the dragon liration of independence? <laughs> Into dragon pendants. Blue eyes, white declaration. <laughs> I'm reaching here. I'm really just digging into my bag of tricks. The Declaration of Dragapendence. I thought Blue Eyes White, Blue Eyes White Declaration was a little better. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um. I've got it. Oh no. Bluefield White Stars. God bless America. Also, all the other countries. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> so, so not all white dragons, dragons are equal. right? So, white dragons, for example, I believe have an intelligence score of ten, yeah, which is just like average. Dumb as a stump. No, that's just an average person. Yeah, but no player character is there. Um, not Unless necessarily like intentionally supposed to be dumb, right? Right. But. Um, but most dragons have a much higher intelligence. Um, I think all of them have high strength. Uh, I'm not sure where dexterity falls. But there's a lot of variation in the ability scores between dragons, and I believe that red and gold dragons are the strongest, and those are your fire-breathing dragons. Gotcha. But again, I'm not positive, so don't quote me on that. Um, The other cool thing that happens is the really, really old, really powerful dragons get something that they added to the monster manual, combat-wise, that was given to several of the really tough, really unique monsters, known as legendary actions. Okay, interesting. So there are two types of new... I don't know if they're new to 4th edition. Like, I don't know if they were introduced there because I didn't play 4th edition. Um, But I know they are in 5th edition and new from 3.5, if that's all you've ever played. And there are legendary actions and lair actions. Now, legendary actions work in such a way that a legendary creature, such as maybe an adult red dragon or the Tarrasque or a mummy lord or so on and so forth, these one-of-a-kind creatures... They get to act during other players' turns. Not as a reaction, they just get to do extra moves on people's turns. Interesting. So they might get, for example, three legendary points around, and they'll have a list of five different options they can use those legendary points on. And one might be, oh, they get to move up to their movement speed. And you could go, oh, it's the first player's turn. They're going to disengage from combat and move, although they wouldn't get the disengage action, so whatever, but they're going to move across the battlefield, and they're going to use their second point to use their 
I don't know off the top of my head any of them, but they're going to use an instant recharge of their breath attack or whatever. And it makes them a lot more deadly. And then the lair actions, which dragons frequently get because they frequently have lairs, are moves that on, I think, initiative count 20, the actual lair attacks the players. So, like, if a fire dragon lives in a volcano, you might have magma start spurting up around the nice. players. And so there's some really cool but relatively simple stuff right. that they get to do that makes them more unique and more memorable. And so when you want to play an arrogant character, like one of these legendary creatures, you put them in a situation where that arrogance is earned because they get these legendary actions. And they do get these lair moves and so on and so forth. And so when the players go in ill-prepared to face a legendary creature, you just have the legendary creature taunt them and do things like, oh, I'm just going to stay out of your way and just shoot fire from back here while my while my lair attacks you, and I'm just going to laugh at you the whole time and, right. and just mock you. Right. So mockery is a really well, good Well, I, I like this suggestion too because what you're saying is that you don't have to put your players against a dragon when they can kill a dragon, right? Like that there's a lot of interactions that they can have with dragons without actually mm-hmm. fighting them, without actually worrying about that kind of combat. And I think that's really interesting. I remember one of the very last Dungeons & Dragons adventures we went on with Dad when he was Dungeon Master so many years ago. Sure. We actually met a dragon who sent us on a quest. Yes, right? and that's another thing I want to talk about is there are two basic categories of dragons. There are evil dragons and there are good dragons. And they're both pretty arrogant and full of themselves. But arrogant dragons who are good think that they can use other creatures as their pawns to get what they want done. And maybe evil dragons think that way too. All dragons kind of think they can manipulate, right? But good dragon might be willing to reward the players... Whereas evil would be willing to not punish the players. (laughs) Right. Um, So very interesting stuff that you can do. Man. Okay, so let's talk a little bit for for just a couple more minutes here about lair aesthetics. Sure. You have a ton of options when it comes to crafting a lair. Yes. Um, what, What do you go for? Do you try to aim for something elemental like you suggested earlier, like the volcano? I remember when we we did have the the wee babe dragon calcerex, which is silver? Uh, white. White. Okay, so theoretically a good dragon? Evil. You got them flipped. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Metallic chromatic. dragons are evil, chromatic. And chromatic are evil. No, chromatic are evil, yep. Metallic are good. are good. Okay. Um, but yeah, so white dragon, evil dragon, just living in a dungeon. Right. right. Essentially so, as like a mixture of a pet slash god. Right. So do you do that? I mean, obviously that's an aesthetic you can use. Or do you prefer to go for a kind of an environmental, elemental match? Yes, and yes, and yes. Um, typically, if you're going to have a dragon, it's something I like the players to build up to that they can think about. So I like a little bit of, oh, this is a place that they maybe took over or a place that they've been bringing all of their spoils. And it's really a case-by-case. Case. And I think about the campaign setting and I think about the type of dragon. But... In a nutshell, if it seems weird to the players that this is going on, it's probably been done wrong. So if it makes sense to the players that the adult red dragon is living in a cave in the forest, then we just do a cave in the forest. Right, there's no problems. 
but for the first time when I ran an adult dragon for third edition, it didn't make sense for that for my players, so they actually had to go to the Seven Caves, is what it was called, and it was a place with mythical treasure in there, but guarded by horrendous beasts, and they actually only made it through one of the caves, and at the end of it was a dragon guarding all of this treasure, and it seemed fitting to them gotcha. when they got there. Now please tell me there were actually eight caves. No. Like you got to the end of the seventh and there was just like... No, they only made it through one of the seven. Oh, okay. So... So, but there could have been. So there could have been. I think there should have been eight caves. Maybe. Call it the seven caves, Maybe there were eight. We have listeners in our show who played in that campaign and I will not say. Ooh. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Nathaniel Johnson, international man of mystery and gentleman thief. I'm spoken for. Ooh. Is it hot in here or is it just me? Ah. No, wait, it's the fire dragon, because it turns out this recording studio is also a great dragon's lair. Yeah, but uh, with dragons, I, I think that we've covered most of the important elements. The only thing that I would add is that a dragon in and of itself is probably going to take an entire adventuring period oh 100 if your campaign if every session normally runs three hours you should plan for basically the only thing to happen is killing the dragon and the spoils or that. beating the dragon beating the dragon yes because which may be a separate what thing. i want to talk about is is dragon puzzles and riddles okay like go ahead like if you know some good riddles or, or maybe try to write one or hit up a solid google and find some good riddles like a lot of times, if your players don't want to fight the dragon and your bard is, like, trying to seduce it, have it run some riddles, and then it can maybe be willing to part with a bit of its treasure or maybe do something benevolent when it feels intellectually not beaten, because the dragon is never beaten. Of course not. But when it's maybe been intellect, it's enjoyed a good intellectual time. Right. The only thing I would tie as a caveat to that is make sure the dragon is lawful if you're going to do that. If it's a chaotic evil dragon, yeah, riddles have them solve work. the riddles and then kill the players. Right. Um, this is one of the few times that I think alignment is super important yeah. with your and monsters. It's, it's almost always tied to color, right? Uh, it's yeah. So the good dragons, like we said, are all metallic, and the evil are all chromatic, and then the color changes whether yeah. they're category lawful. Yeah. So don't. I mean, obviously, you're free to subvert those sure. instructions in the monster manual whenever you want. But maybe, like, when you're first starting out, be sensitive to what color of dragon you're picking. If you really want a dragon that, say, shoots fire but is not what a red dragon or a golden dragon does... Make up a new dragon? Right, or... make up a new dragon or just change the alignment, right? Yep. Like, But ultimately, be sure that that's accounted for yes absolutely. Like think about the dragon's alignment before you do those kinds of things and and so on take a brief break usually during that theme song you hear one of us sprints to the bathroom or grabs some popcorn eats it scarfs it down cracks a mountain dew something like that lately i've been drinking more seltzer water 
but you know. What is it with you and your kick on the seltzer water? I'm an academic. It's like a requirement. <laughs> I don't think it is. No, it is. No, Mike's... how many academics do you know? You're kidding, right? Like I'm a philosophy major. A lot. I know a lot. Comforter, philosopher, and lifelong, lifelong something. Lifelong mate. That's that's the word you're looking for. Depends on the song. No, same song. You're thinking of two different lines. That's what I. Depends on the song. It's the same song. Right, same song. Same song. Different singer. There we go. It's the singer, not the song. It's the singer, not the song. (laughs) That's what happens when there's magic in the music. Remember that. Um, But yeah, this is just the part of the show where we talk about how you can get in contact with us. Send us your questions. And that is at initiativeroll, R-O-L-E, at gmail.com. Also, we do post any materials that we use, that we create, on our blog at initiativeroll.blogs.com. I can say this, I promise. No, you can't. We have had this exact same beggar's corner like maybe eight times. Initiativeroll.blogspot.com. Give the man a trophy. (laughs) Um, Also, of course, you can always find audio clips and anything else that we post there. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, Today's episode, uh, for the dedication, I got something real good. Yeah. Uh, And this is, is I'm going to just read a blog post from July 16th, 2010, in uh, the design notes for a game called Dragon Fable, which was a free-to-play Adobe Flash-based RPG. It was Adobe Flash-based? That explains you so have, much! You have no idea how many hours I toiled with Flash-free trials trying to figure out how they did what they did, and I still do not know. Wow. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think initially, because Adventure Quest was the predecessor, and I think it initially ran on Shockwave. You're kidding. But I know Dragon Fable was designed and MechQuest were both designed from the ground up in Flash. Huh. Which is insane. Um, that is insane. But it does explain a lot. Um, anyway, the, the subject line for this July 16, 2010 design note is Great Dragon Naming Contest Winners Announced. Um, and we're actually going to dedicate the episode to one of these dragons that they, they named. They, they say the winners are here at long last. And I remember reading this blog post. As a, as a young child. Gosh, age. that would have been nine years ago, so. How old was I? 2010? 14, I guess? Huh. Dang, I thought I was a lot younger. Dang, that was like after we moved. Weird. I it thought this was, was way earlier. Wait, July of 2010? Yeah. I, I have false memories of it being in the house before too, we moved. But no, it was not. That's Interesting. weird. Anyway, so maybe you entered the contest before I you did. We had I had to have. It took them forever, as they say. The winners are here at long last. Interesting. Anyway, they had thousands of names to go through, but uh, the Great Wind Dragon, who we're dedicating the episode to, is named Levadon. This is a dragon in an actual video game that was named by me, or as I'm known on the forums at the time, Logan401. Yeah, this was a really cool moment when you when you won that. I'm going to be honest. I've thought a lot about it. This may still be my greatest achievement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, again, I can't stress this enough. The episode is not dedicated to me. It's dedicated to a wind dragon named Levadon, which I want to know. We Googled and looked in the Dragon Fable wiki, and they never actually used this dragon. Right. They just kind of took the name and claimed it as... And I remember my character, whose name was originally Pikachu. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Also, my password for that account, I'm pretty sure, was also Pikachu. Don't hack me. So help me don't <laughs> hack my Dragon Fable. Um, and was my character's name Pikachu. Uh, yeah, but he got 500 dragon coins for naming a dragon Levadon that they never, they never used. Well, and what I think is cool about that is the fact that they, uh, they ran this contest... That was basically, hey, we just need people to come up with names that they think go with this type of dragon. And then they gave anybody who came up with names basically an in-game $10 reward yeah, for that. Yeah, because Dragon Fable was free to play, but they had the, the currency was purchasable. It's kind of... And now that I think about it, that that's a model that's continued in the industry today. Yeah. And that's like an archaic model, and I didn't realize that. So yeah, that is really interesting. I mean, I don't love it, but it is interesting. No, I freaking hate it. It's the worst. Yeah, because they had two currencies, and the second one was purchasable, was basically the only way, or win contests like this. And uh, it was kind of a cool moment for us when you I, when you won that. Yeah, I also want to just give a couple shout-outs here to some other dragons on the list. Uh, the the One of the long-running jokes in Dragon Fable was that there were the elemental dragons, but one of the elements was bacon. And that was like their... <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, their farce of a element. Anyway, wasn't they, it like a weird ninth element or something? Yeah, <laughs> which uh, probably the tenth actually, because you have to skip over the fifth because that one was love the whole time. Um, anyway, the great bacon dragon was named Squeal S K W E E L, <laughs> and the great stone dragon, which is a great Mulan callback, <laughs> the great stone dragon was straight up named Kratos, <laughs> which like. I think technically you can do, but, like, his name's Kratos, like God of War Kratos. Right. God of War was huge in 2010. Maybe uh, not, actually. When was God of War 3? Dude, I don't know. I've never played the series. It's not important to me. Fine, I guess. Anyway, the takeaway and the point of this dedication, uh, the Great Wind Dragon Levadon was the coolest one. Don't name your dragons or your pets Kratos. Ever. <laughs> It's taken. <laughs> We're back from that break. And thanks for hanging out with us there. Hopefully you uh, learned about a great little Flash game while you were in there called Dragon Fable. Hold on. What? Hold on. Okay, so you said we're back. We are not back. You are back. I have just discovered that not only is Dragon Fable still very much a thing, there's an app on the App Store which enables you to launch the Flash game from an iOS device. Which, by the way, those of you who don't remember, Apple never caved on Flash like we thought they were going to, and now Flash is, like, dead. That's fascinating. What, what that they made a launcher for iOS, or that Apple... Everything you said Or that Apple everything. killed the Flash player. It wasn't technically Apple that killed the, the Flash player, because the development of HTML5 as a coding language made it possible for Flash-based applications to be run natively in HTML. Sure. So when you're coding a website, you can now code essentially the capabilities of Flash into the website without using Flash. So, but uh, long story short, you found an app that lets you play the game. Yeah, hold on. Downloading that right now. (laughs) Well, while you're doing that, I'm going to bring up... 
I guess it's a fan question. It was an experience I had before this show started where I was talking with a fellow classmate of mine who absolutely loves Dungeons and Dragons. And she said to me, she asked this question. So do you guys play just the straight rules? Which I think she meant rules as written when she said that. Or do you play homebrew stuff? NVM. I misunderstood the symbols. It's for window and Mac. I'm sorry, man. I'm triggered. I'm. You don't get to play Dragon Fable you know, on your phone. It's, it's funny. You could. There's a browser called the Dolphin Browser that supports Flash. That's amazingly <laughs> um, horrible. I did it like two years ago on my $30 Android. It was excellent. No! <laughs> anyway. Or maybe it was on my Kindle. Either way, it wasn't good. Anyway. Go back to what you were saying. I am now back from the break. <laughs> she asked this question about whether or not we used the rules as written or whether we home- used homebrew rules. And technically the answer is we use a mixture. But if I were to put myself in one camp or the other, we use the rules as written. Is our general hmm. guideline. Uh, Logan, you have, you have thoughts on this. Yeah, because I definitely don't. <laughs> Like, I mean, and our father's the best example of this. Our father is. What the did best he say to you the other day on the phone? <laughs> uh, so I don't think it was even on the phone. I think it was on in person. Oh, really? Uh, so my many of my family members are family members who aren't necessarily super thrilled with Dungeons and Dragons as a game and don't want to. <laughs> you make them sound like such haters. They just don't want to play. They the just game. don't want to play the game. <laughs> Um, they don't have anything wrong with it. It's just not their thing. You make this sound like the great schism in our family. <laughs> yes, this is what divides our family every Thanksgiving. Is it a schism or a schism? It's got to be a schism, right? It's got to be a schism. It can't be a schism. That sounds so gross. Um, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, this is what divides our family during Thanksgiving, what we have fights about every year. Uh, no, but in all seriousness... This is why I'm still kicking people under the table. <laughs> right. Uh, no, but seriously, though, this is uh, something that just not everyone in our family wants to play but some of them have agreed to play on two conditions one that my dad is the dungeon master and two that the rules are incredibly simple and so i found this out and i was super ecstatic because this is something i love and i love being around my family and so this is the best of both worlds theoretically for me don't you dare this is an audio medium but those of you who didn't see it just miss nathaniel pull off a blonde wig I hate you. <laughs> oh, you don't want me to tell that you were Hannah Montana this whole time? <laughs> Folks, we're going to have to go into a 20-minute sitcom episode where now that you all know that I'm Hannah Montana, I have to prove that I'm not Hannah Montana also, by un- lying. Also, unpopular opinion. I never thought Hannah Montana was that good looking, but I thought Miley Cyrus was at the time. Prove me wrong. Just don't slide into the DMs and maybe <laughs> at me on Twitter if you... If you you want to argue about this one. Um, I don't disagree. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, which sounds weird now that we're like grown men talking about a 15-year-old. Well, I'm not like, it's not like I watch Hannah Montana and I'm like, oh, wow, she's so attractive. Like, she's 15. And when I was 15. Right. So, like, I can't express how hormonally pent up (laughs) 15-year-old me was. (laughs) Right, but I think we need to express that it was 15-year-old you, not 20-some-year-old you. Well, you got to realize, like I just said, I became 20-something today. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we needed to... When I wished on the Zoltar last night. When you wished on the Zoltar last night. Um, I just think we needed to make that really clear, though. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, and also that... 
Current me is not into any form of Miley Cyrus. Fair enough. I'm not that into modern Miley Cyrus either. That she's done great work on The Voice. Oh, has she? I, I don't watch it, so I don't know. Um, anyway, that aside, um, ideally having having my family play Dungeons and Dragons is the best of both worlds, like I said. And oh, come on! There's <laughs> got to be another way you can say that. <laughs> I just, you say best of both worlds, and I think chill it out, take it slow, then you rock at the show. I really can't think of a better way to say it, and I know there's gotta be, but, like, I can't. Okay, that's fine. Just keep going. Um, but don't repeat that phrase, so help me. It's the best of both multiverses. <laughs> well, that's a mouthful. Would have been a better theme song, too. <laughs> Get the best of both multiverses. She pulls off her blonde wig, and what's that? She's Iron Man. <laughs> and she pulls off the Iron Man helmet, and what is that? She's a weird bug thing. <laughs> she's Wolverine. And then she pulls off the Wolverine mask, and she's the Hulk. And that's actually just the best of one multiverse, but... <laughs> anyway, um, and so I, my dad was telling me about this, and I got fairly excited. And I said to him, oh, so do you want my help in simplifying the rules? And making it more accessible to everyone. And he said, no thanks. I pretty much just make everything up anyway. <laughs> Which is definitely the, the homebrew side. And it shocked me. Like, I had no clue that that was how he did Dungeons & Dragons. Really? The man was I'm... mixing Kool-Aids, putting them in vials, and serving them to us as potions. Okay, that was pretty cool when we were kids. I should so clarify, it was like, when I say the man, I mean our father. There's, there's not some other guy from our past who did that. Because that would be horrifying. <laughs> yes, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um, no, but it surprised me. And looking back, it's super obvious. But when he said it, it was surprising. So, I was just kind of stunned that he basically homebrews everything. Sure. Though it makes a lot of sense, like, sure. especially for kids, right? Yes. For people who, who aren't into that heavy rules life. Right. In fact, there's a lot of RPGs out there, like Monster of the Week, that are focused way less on rules. Or is it called Monster of the Geek? I can't remember. Either way, it's a good name. Yeah. Um, and they're focused way less on rules, and there's just a couple simple dice checks to determine what happens in the narrative. Yeah. Right. Uh, so n that's not necessarily the kind of thing, but yeah, you, you, as a dungeon master, I would agree, tend to go more on the strict rules. Right. And while there's obviously moments where I make up my own rule for something, I try to follow the rules as written because my philosophy on it is that then anybody can join into my game, look in the rule book and basically not have to worry about how I run the game. So players, for example, I do this all the time. They want to purchase things and they say, hey, where can I purchase this item? Or can I purchase this item or that item? And I just say, hey, look, just look at these pages in the book and whatever's there, you can purchase it for prices listed. And sometimes I'll manipulate things like that and I'll say, oh no, you can, you can get it for a tenth of the price for this reason or everything's double price for this reason. But I prefer to do that. And I mentioned this to this classmate of mine, and they said, oh, that's really interesting because our shopping experiences sometimes take entire adventures. Whoa. Like, entire sessions are just spent no on... No way. Um, and I, I know how that can happen because you go and you're getting a ton of gear for 
your big adventure that you're going to go on and you're haggling prices and you're trying to actually find where you can get this stuff. Sure, and I imagine that works well for some people, right? Right, and I think there could be some really fun aspects to that. Um, for instance, I know in Greg's campaign, my character Fear has a motivation to create new spells. And when I say create new spells, I don't mean add new spells to his spell book or to his knowledge. I mean no, create... No, that's too mundane. Right. I mean create his own new spells named after him, which he and I have worked and homebrewed a spell for, and I'm very excited for my character to learn that. But he's going to have to purchase a lot of materials. He's going to have to gain access to a private library that he has to prove he's a nobleman to get into. So he's definitely going to lie to get in. Nice. Um, and other such things. Where, where does fear buy his, like, Regents for his spells? Um, so Regents for spells are, uh, are really weird. So Greg just lets me use an arcane focus right. for that. But I still have to get material to write in the spell book, so I have to get special kinds of ink. Oh, gotcha. Uh, which I think is a really fun mechanic, actually. I... I love that mechanic of wizards. I don't want to turn you off from wherever Fear's been buying his stuff, but I heard rumor about a great store. Yeah? Anybody feel free to use... So help me use this store name in your campaigns. <laughs> Noah's Arcane. <laughs> it's so good. I'm so proud of myself for that store name. You know you're going to have to tell Greg that Noah's Arcane exists. Noah's Arcane. This is not just... I mean, he's going to listen to this podcast, so this he's going to find out. This is not a store. Noah's Arcane is not a store. This is a trans-dimensional place that appears in any campaign setting. <laughs> I, I gotta, I, I'm going to establish some constants. I'll, I'll do a write-up about Noah's Arcane, and I'll put it on the, the blog for anybody who wants it. <laughs> okay. It, it can be a store. I've created. It's just too good of a name to not exist universally. Fair enough. Fair enough. Noah's Arcane. I think that would be kind of fun if both Greg and I had it in our campaign. That could be. It's kind, kind of, of a fun joke because it's like Noah's Ark, but also. Arcane. You're kidding. You, you actually explained the joke. Well, yeah, that's like that's, that's like rule number one of don't do. Well, that's for all of our audiences who aren't Christian. Or Jewish. Or Muslim. So anybody who's not one of the monotheistic traditions. That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's fair, actually. <laughs> I just... Okay, and that's I, fair. I just refrained from a, a poor taste joke about them all going to hell, which I don't think they will. <laughs> so. Fair enough. We are not going to get into religion on this podcast. We promise. Noah's Arcane. Noah's Arcane. A reference to the biblical story of Noah. Says the guy who is not going to get into religion. Well, that's just, that's about going to do it for our academic Pokemon-related show today. Yeah, um, we're a little busy with the school semester starting, so it's a, it's a bit of a shorter episode. Is it? Because I feel like it's going to be pretty much, like, right on point. Maybe after we go through all them rough edits. Yeah. I mean, let's see. We got, what are we at? 35, 40... Yeah, we're in we're the 50s. 50s. We're landing in the 50s. We're landing in the... Low to mid-50s. What, do you hear that? What do I hear? It's the missing seven minutes of our episode. They lumber closer. <laughs> They're peeling off the walls and falling from the ceiling, and you realize... It's, it's time, time to, to roll, roll initiative. initiative.